Sometimes when Jesus talked to the people that were listening to him, they didn't get it. They didn't understand. And there was a reason for that. And the reason was he spoke in parables. It happened in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew actually records three big sermons of Jesus. One of them being the Sermon on the Mount, which we started on Easter and took seven Sundays to go through because we're going through the Gospels. One of them is called the Sermon by the Sea, which is recorded in Matthew chapter 13, which is what I'm going to cover today in one message. And then there's the Olivet Discourse on Mount Olivet, um, and that comes much later on in our year here, and maybe even next year. But the Sermon on the, not the, the sermon by the sea is what I want you to see today. See what I did there? Seven, it's, it's Father's Day. I mean, we got dad jokes all day long. And you have to laugh because it's Father's Day, right? Thank you for laughing. Seven parables in Matthew chapter 13, two of which are explained by Jesus. One of them is the one that I'm going to focus on, the parable of the sower, the seed sower. And of course, when Jesus told a story, a parable, he told it so that the people that he was talking to could relate. I give a lot of boating examples because we live by the water, and a lot of people like to go out on the boat. Jesus was around a lot of farmers, so he told parables, stories of farmers doing what they did, sowing seeds. But he tells this story in the second year of his ministry. It's a public ministry, and he tells this story, and they seriously, I, I, I want you to understand that they, they looked at him like those guys looked at the, the characters in that, in that little clip we just they didn't understand, and they were completely lost, many of them. And Jesus explains, like the, the, the disciples went to Jesus and they said, Jesus, they're not getting it. <laughs> Why are you talking to them in parables? Why are you telling these stories? And he said, this is why. And Matthew records it in chapter 13. He says, this is why I'm saying that I'm talking like this, because I have to fulfill Isaiah his prophecy. I'll read it to you in verse 14. You probably will see this in other places in the Bible when you read through the Gospels. You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and turn and I would heal them. You see, Jesus was talking to a lot of people who had a bad heart condition. They had a bad heart condition, which is why I call it this message, heart condition. Their hearts had grown dull. Now that word dull, oftentimes we think of as boring. You're so dull. But that's not the intended meaning here. Dull here is like a dull pencil. I hate writing with a dull pencil. In college, I got, really, I believe for the first time, I don't know when they were invented, but it was new for me, I got a mechanical pencil. Not because I was in an engineering school and I was going to be a mechanical engineer. 
I got a mechanical pencil because you don't have to sharpen a mechanical pencil. You just go click, click, and you have a sharp end. But I didn't get the cheap plastic ones. I got the metal one that you could pull the eraser out and you could load in the lead. And I wasn't some 0.5 millimeter cheap guy. I was 0.7 and above because I was cool, man. Not as cool as those guys up at Michigan Tech that had the pocket protectors. But I was pretty cool. And you think I'm kidding. They wore them up there, all right? Just like I hate a dull pencil, God hates a dull heart. Dull is translated oftentimes as thick, stupid, and callous. Have you ever thought of your heart or knew someone who had a thick, dull, calloused, stupid heart? That's really what Jesus is saying. That was Isaiah's prophecy. Because when you have that kind of heart, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. You don't enjoy the kingdom life. And the kingdom life is the best life. It's a life that a lot of people don't even have a clue about. But you're here, and you know a little bit about the kingdom life. And if you don't, Stick around, because it's a wonderful life, the kingdom life, knowing about the kingdom of heaven. It all has to do with our heart condition. I want you to know more than anything that it is your responsibility as a follower of Jesus Christ to examine your heart, to check out your heart. And if your heart is not right, if you have a bad heart condition, you need to make some changes in your life. Just like if you go to the doctor and your doctor says, hey man, your cholesterol is really high. It's time to make some changes. Let's fix your diet, right? That's what they tell you. Fruits and vegetables. Isn't that what they always say? Make some changes. Because if you don't make some changes, there's going to be some consequences. Well, if you have ears to hear today, God is telling you, check your heart. Because if you've got a thick, callous heart, well, that's going to lead to a lot of disappointment in life, a lot of loneliness in life. You're never going to reach your potential in life. You're never going to be satisfied. But if you have a fertile heart, a fruitful heart, that's an abundant life. That's an abundant life, a life full of God's blessings. Just think about how many times in Scripture we see bear fruit, have a fruitful heart. Let me just give you three of them real quick. John 15, 8, Jesus speaking. He said, by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. How do you prove you're a disciple of Jesus Christ? You bear fruit. Paul wrote, to the Philippians and said this in 111. He said we, we should be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Through a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have the fruit of righteousness. And then he writes to the Galatian church and says, what are these fruits? He first of all lists the things that the flesh produces, right? The, the sin in us that produces the bad things, but then he lists the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and the one we all could use a little more of, self-control. And since today's Father's Day, I can think of no better call to all dads to bear fruit. To check your heart, dads, and bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Because as I posted on my social media, my Facebook, I have two 
of my most important disciples living under my roof. Ellie and Ethan, our kids are always our most important disciples, and we should never neglect raising them up in the way of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for this day to worship you. Thank you that Father's Day is on Sunday, and that we have a good, good Father, as we sang about, and that we have your Holy Spirit that can lead us, teach us, counsel us, coach us, Father, you've thought of everything, and we thank you. We thank you this day and every day. May we glorify you in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. So let's open up our Bibles to Matthew 13. If you have a digital Bible, if you have a a paper Bible, if you didn't bring one, we have the words up on the screen. If you want a free Bible, they're in the back. Um, Please take a free Bible, and soon we'll have some some uh, free coffee cups uh, that, that we've ordered with uh, our logo on them So for our new guests. And of course, I know some of you are going to want to have a Life of Purpose coffee mug in your house, so we got extra just for that. But we're in Matthew 13. Let's look at verses 1 through 9. The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. It's kind of ironic this week I've been watching uh, The Chosen. I, I've been asked... So I feel like met multiple times in the last month, have you seen The Chosen, Pastor? No, okay, I'll watch it. I get it. Okay, I, I hear you. So I'm watching it, you know, and, and it just so happens this episode I was watching had to do with Jesus by the sea. And um, I, I noticed that it, the show is not chronological, so you kind of got to keep that in mind because I'm going through this chronologically through, from the beginning of Jesus' ministry through the Gospels, the harmony of the Gospels, And here he is by the sea, and a crowd gathers by him, a great crowd, and he got into a boat, and he sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. Now, Jesus used a fishing boat for a stage. Lots of reasons why I love Jesus. This one ranks way up there. His stage was the fishing boat, okay? I love it. I'm a fisherman, as you know. Verse 3, he told them many things in parables. He said this to them, a sower went out to sow. As he sowed some seeds, some fell along the path. When they fell along the path, the birds came and ate them, devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil. Immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, when he said those words, the people on the beach looked at him like, what? (laughs) What did you just say? We don't get it. And usually you rely on me to help you understand the Bible, Um, That's one of my roles at Life of Purpose, but today, in this parable, Jesus did the explaining himself. He explained it a little bit later on in chapter 13. In fact, he explains two of the seven parables. He explains the parable of the sower and the parable of the weeds, which I notice kind of sometimes we get a little bit confused or or we mix them together. Not, Not uncommon to mix them together, but... 
When it comes to understanding all seven parables, you just need to look at the pattern or how Jesus explains the two that he does. I liken this to when I was a math teacher. And some of you have a love-hate relationship with math. Am I right? How many love it? How many hate it? (laughs) Oh, there's more haters than lovers. (laughs) Oh, well. But when I taught math, and usually the way we teach math is we give a couple examples. I do them thoroughly on the board, and then I give some homework problems that are just like the examples. At least that's what a good math teacher would do, right? The bad math teacher tests on something completely different. You've probably been there. All the teachers are laughing. Or parents that have kids in school and helped them study, and then the test was totally different. If you don't get the five problems that you practiced, all right, in math, well, there's always English or social studies, all right? Maybe you got a better subject. But this is what Jesus did for us. Gave us a couple of examples, explained them, and now he gives us five other parables that we can use the same methodology to understand. That's what's happening in these seven parables in chapter 13. So I encourage you to read your Bible on your own and your own time and think through Matthew chapter 13. Look through those seven parables. I think you'll see the pattern is there. The parable of the sower is explained, the parable of the weeds is explained, and then there's five others that you can understand. But mainly, this is what Jesus wanted to explain. He wanted you to understand the kingdom of heaven. What is the kingdom of heaven like? What is kingdom life like? And here's the thing. You don't have to wait to go to heaven to experience kingdom life. The reason why I know this is because Jesus said it in his prayer. What did he say when he taught us the Lord's Prayer? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's how we know we can experience kingdom life today. Makes But here's the thing. Kingdom life, the kingdom of heaven, will make no sense whatsoever to a non-believer. It will not make sense to them. To a believer, it makes sense. That's what Jesus was saying when he talked to his disciples. They said, why are you talking parables? He goes, because some will understand and some won't. It's kind of like this picture that I have. You've probably seen this optical illusion before. When you first look at that, you might see an old lady. Or, if you stare at it long enough or blink a couple times, I don't know what it takes, but you might see a young maiden. This is an optical illusion. But it's simply to illustrate my point. The non-believer only sees the old lady. But the believer sees the young maiden, the new life. For many people, all they ever see in this world is what they can taste and touch, what their senses have for them. That's all they ever see. Maybe we should drop off that picture now because they're not listening to me anymore. (laughs) I can't see it. I'm looking. Where is it? I want to see the young maiden, the new life. Don't worry. It's just an illustration, okay? It does not dictate whether you're a believer or not a believer. But remember the story of Elisha and his servant? 
I can, I can never stop remembering this because it's so important. It has so many applications of, of, the, of what is really going on. All, all, people will walk out of here, people you talk to, and all they ever see is what they see, what they touch, what they taste. They use their senses. And that's what they think the whole, everything is. When we die, that's it. But there's much more. There's much more. And Elisha's servant walked out of the tent and saw an enemy surrounding them and freaked out. And he went to Elisha, the prophet, and he said, what are we going to do? We're surrounded by the enemy. And Elisha prayed, and God opened his servant's eyes. And when he looked out again, he saw God's army of angels surrounding their enemy. That's the point here. What do you see when you look out? into this world. Can you see God's army? Or do all we see is the world and what it has to offer? That's the point here. The kingdom of heaven is not visible to everyone. That's what Jesus was trying to say. Only those who have the Holy Spirit, which is why we sang that song, right? Think about the words of that song fitting so perfectly here. Only those who have the Holy Spirit can have eyes to see and ears to hear. So here's the explanation. If you have ears to hear, here's what Jesus said about this parable. I'll break it down for you in the four hearts that people have these days. Verse 18, hear then the parable of the sower. Verse 19, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, the word of the kingdom. Notice if you compare that, by the way, to the parable of the weeds, it's a little different. So that's why I say don't mix them together necessarily. But uh, you can, you'll see that it's a little different. Hear the words of the kingdom. He who hears them does, and does not understand it, what happens? The evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Now, the more you walk along a path, maybe you have one in your yard somewhere, a certain path that you walk on, the harder the ground becomes, right? That's how it works. Eventually, the grass goes away, and then you have this path, and it's hard, and it's trampled on, Right? In the city, we don't mess around. We just pour concrete and we call it cement or sidewalks, right? I mean, that's, that's what we do, right? We want a path? All right, let's call the cement truck. All right, let's get... Of course, nowadays, you can't get anybody to come out to your house and do any work, right? It's so busy. Some people have a heart like a sidewalk. It's a hard heart. Their heart is hard. And a hard-hearted person can come to church even They can hear the word of God, they can get the truth, but they don't hear it. They get nothing out of it. They don't contemplate what's being said for even a moment. They don't know what God wants them to hear. They might as well just come to church with earplugs and a blindfold because they're not hearing anything. As we used to say, it goes in one ear and goes out the other, right? That's what happens when your heart is hard. If you've ever tried to share your faith with a hard-hearted person, you know what I'm talking about. Nothing penetrates. Nothing gets in. And it's really the worst condition that someone can be in. Because God's word has no effect on them, and the word just gets taken away. It's gone. The evil one takes it away. Maybe it's discouraging to you that you know someone that you care about has a really hard heart but I just want to give you a little hope. God's word is so powerful that it can change a hard heart into a soft heart. 
Pastor Ray Stedman, one of my um, favorite pastors to read, um, shared this example. This key verse was used to reach John Bunyan and lead him to Christ. You may or may not know who that is. He called him the blasphemous old tinker of Bedford, known as the most godless man in his village, regarded as so hard-hearted and committed to godlessness that no Christian had any hope for him at all. That was John Bunyan. But then he heard the story of the sower and the seed. And the words seized upon his heart, and he said to himself, even the devil knows that if a man believes the word, he'll be saved. And so he believed it, and he was saved. And he became the author of Pilgrim's Progress, a classic. And his tremendous testimony continues on, even in this age. The hard heart. Then there is the seed that fell on rocky ground. Verse 20. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. But he has no root in himself, endures for a while, but then tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, and immediately he falls away. Rocky ground is better understood as shallow ground. Shallow ground. You got a couple inches of dirt, and then you got bedrock. Now here in St. Clair Shores, if you've ever dug into your yard more than a couple inches, you realize we got bedrock here too, except we call it clay. And it's tough digging here in St. Clair Shores. One time in my garden that we have alongside of our house, I planted some carrots. And carrots are supposed to go into the soil about 8, 10, 12 inches, right? That's how they're supposed to grow. Well, harvest time came, and I pulled those carrots out. And you know what I got? I got 3-inch fat carrots. Because <laughs> they hit that clay, and they stopped growing. They didn't develop the root. And they didn't taste very good either. <laughs> I don't recommend growing carrots unless you've got a lot of dirt on top of the clay. That's shallow ground. See, lots of people will come to church, hear the word, and get excited for a season. They even um, they, 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 they get so excited, they, they even take some next steps with God. They might get baptized, or they might get a Bible, and they might start... Um, walking with God. They might start making some changes in their life. And it's really exciting for the people around them that have been praying for them. And then it happens. And it always happens this way. Because the Word of God will lead you to make changes in your life. Because when you read the Word, it renews your mind. When you read God's Word, it renews your mind. And it starts to transform you. You start to make changes. And when you start to make changes, when you start getting away from the old you, you, and you start experiencing the new you, and you realize, hey, this is much better. I like this much better. Let me tell you something that you probably already know. The old way doesn't give up so easily, does it? And in fact, in some cases, the old you has a stronghold on you. A stronghold. Could be a habit, could be a hurt, could be a person. But this is the tribulation, this is the persecution that Jesus is talking about that comes about because of the word. 
Because the Word of God will lead you away from that old life. But the old life sometimes pulls you back, holds on. Some people don't break free. This is what he means by the seed falls on the shallow ground. You have a shallow heart. I call it a seasonal heart because people seem to come to Christ, but it's for a season, and then they go back to their old way. I bet you know someone that got all excited about Jesus for a season, but then they went back to their old ways. And it's sad, but that's the kind of heart that Jesus is talking about, a shallow heart. Then there's the seed that fell among the thorns. Verse 22, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. I'm so thankful we have a lot of young people listening today and here at church because I think this is the kind of heart that often young people have. I'll explain in a minute. John, the Gospel of John, uh, well, John actually in his shorter letters to the churches, 1 John, he explains something about the world, chapter 2, verse 15. He says, don't love the things of the world. He does, actually says, don't love the world or things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For what's in the world? The desires of the flesh the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's not from the Father. That is from the world. Now, please know this. John is not advocating you become a monk. You live in a bubble. All right? You, You escape from the world. Right? That's not what John is saying. He is not saying hate the world. In fact, God created a beautiful world. Right? I mean, some of you are going to leave this place today and you're going to go out and enjoy God's beautiful creation. God created a beautiful place to live. The problem is not the world. That's not what John is saying. The key word here is desire. Desire. The word desire can be translated longing, craving, or lusting. That's what he's saying. Because when you lust after When you long for something more than God, well, that's of the world. That's how you know you have a bad heart condition. In fact, I call it a divided heart. What did Jesus say? You cannot serve both God and money. A divided heart. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word. It's pretty rare to see 20-year-olds in church, which is why I say, if you're in your 20s and your teens and you're in church, I'm thankful. But it's pretty rare to see that because they are usually very busy chasing the American dream. Right? We call it the American dream as if it's a good thing. (laughs) Well, we have a lot of freedoms, but there's three things I know that young people are always looking for. I've shared with these before. They want the job, They want the home and they want the honey. Those are the three things that people are looking for in life, and it happens at any time in life. If you have one of those three missing, you usually feel not satisfied. You usually feel like something's missing. I'm I'm not. But even when you get those three, well, then, then 
busyness really comes up, right? You got to maintain the job, the home, and the honey. <laughs> and it's hard. And then if you have kids, well, forget about it. You're, you have no free time for the next 20 years of your life, right? Uber drivers out there, anybody? I can't tell you how many people I'm praying for that feel too busy with their lives. Living on the red line all day, past the red line every day. That's their life. They're busy. One of the things I, I hate, and, and, and it's my own doing, I'm sure, but it's when people say to me, oh, pastor, I know you're so busy, but could you give me a moment of your time? I'm never too busy for you, right? But that's, I say that, but my lifestyle may not reflect it. And so when I say I'm praying for other people, I'm really praying for myself because I don't want a divided heart. I don't want to miss out on the kingdom life because the cares of this world, the silly cares of this world, are choking out the word. If you can relate, say help. We all need a little help. We need, we need to be alerted to our heart condition if we have a divided heart, if we're too busy all the time. Jesus gave us these three examples. I think they're still relevant today. I think we still have hard hearts today. We still have shallow or seasonal hearts. We still have divided hearts. And it's the devil and the strongholds and the desires of the world that can cause us to have a thick and calloused heart. But we finally come to the good news, the fertile heart, verse 23. As for what was sown on good soil, Jesus said, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundred, in another sixty, and another thirty. Now when you read the other parables in this chapter, you're going to see the value, like I said, of the kingdom of heaven. He talks about the value of the kingdom of heaven, how important it is. And when you get a taste of the kingdom life, you'll want more. I'm well aware that always around us, there are people that want to get high. They use drugs or alcohol to get high. It makes them feel good for a temporary time. Some people are athletic and they go running or exercise and the body naturally produces a high. We call it the runner's high. I like that high, right? There, there's, there's lots of ways to feel good, but there is none better than getting spiritually high. Jesus said, or Paul said, don't get drunk with wine. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Get spiritually high. And when that happens, it happens because your heart is right. It's fruitful. You produce fruit. Think about that feeling you get when you feel loved. When you have joy. When you have peace. When you have patience. Think about the fruits of the Spirit. When you experience those, that is a spiritual and that's what we really need, isn't it? Isn't that what you really need? The fruitful heart to produce 160, 30. Now, 
If you know God's Word, you've been reading your Bible for a little while, you belong to a Bible teaching church like this one, and you probably heard this parable before. How many of you have read this parable before, heard it, maybe even got a teaching on it before? Sometimes, or maybe even in your Bible, you have a commentary that tells you what this parable means. A lot of times, the teachings on this parable make it only about salvation. Think about that. This parable is not only about salvation. I think it's about our heart all the time, before and after salvation. A Christian's heart can change just like anyone's heart can change. An atheist, right, can, can change, their heart can change from a hard heart to a soft heart and they can become a Christian. We have lots of examples of that. People who didn't believe and now they do believe. But here's the scary part. You can be a Christian with a fruitful heart and your heart can change and you can become a Christian with a hard heart. Notice I didn't say you can become an atheist. Because I don't believe as a born-again Christian with the Holy Spirit in you, God gives that to you, adopts you into his family, you cannot lose your salvation. I believe what many people perceive as someone losing their salvation is really someone who has a shallow, seasonal heart. That's what happens. They, they got excited for a minute. They maybe took some steps, but then there, were no, there was no root, so they abandoned that. That's why Paul, I think, says you should work out your faith with, with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Prove your heart is fruitful, and it's not just a season that you're going through. So how does a fruitful heart change to a hard heart? Casting Crowns have a song called Slow Fade. Ever heard it? Here's the lyrics to the chorus. It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white have turned to gray. Thoughts invade, choices are made, a price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. Just think about that. Three things I want you to look out for as Christians. The devil, as we saw what it did to the hard heart. Strongholds like hurts and habits and hang-ups. And the desires of this world. First of all, take captive every thought. Take captive every thought, because the mind is the devil's playground. And when you have stinking thinking, that's an invitation for the evil one to get into there, to get into your mind. So take captive every thought, make it obedient to Christ. Line it up with the word of God. What does God say? What does the pastor say? What does my mentor say? Number two, watch out for little sins. Little sins become big sins, and big sins become strongholds. So watch out for the little sins. I know a guy who was in recovery from alcohol for 15 years. Was celebrating with some co-workers after a, a victory and thought, oh, one beer can't hurt. Two years later, he's addicted to oxycodone and he gets pulled over for driving under the influence. Little sins can become big sins. And thirdly, a busy life is not always a good life. Because if you're skimming through life all the time, 
you kind of miss out on the depth of life. Think about it. Do you really enjoy a book if you just skim through it? Can you enjoy a movie if you just fast forward through a lot of the parts? No. That's not enjoyable at all. But that's what we do with our life when we just skim through it and fast forward through it. We get so busy, we don't enjoy or go deep in the things that really matter. And I know I'm not preaching to the choir, I'm preaching to the pastor. Because this is how I live my life a lot of times. Your heart is always changing. You have to know what your heart condition is. Do you know what it is right now? Is it where you want it to be? Because on one end of the spectrum is a hard heart, and on the other end of it is a fruitful heart. And wherever you're at on the spectrum, I encourage you, to move towards the fruitful heart. And it can be done, and it starts with renewing your mind. Renewing your mind. Slowing down. Life changes. Probably not even tweaks in your daily life schedule. Like radical changes in some cases. But I promise you, you won't be disappointed. If you choose the fruitful heart, If you make the changes to do what it takes, you will not be disappointed. Because a fruitful heart, it sees what Elisha's servant finally saw. It sees God's kingdom. And that's what Jesus wants us to see. That some things in this world are small potatoes, as they say. And the kingdom of heaven, that's the big stuff. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this message. May it just... Get into our business and help us to check our hearts and make changes, Lord. There's many here that have ears to hear, and they've heard, and they know what they need to do. God, give them the boldness and the confidence and the strength and the courage to make those changes in their lives. Father, help us all to be more like you and your son, to follow you to come together as the body of Christ and encourage one another and bear each other's burdens and build each other up and love one another as you've called us to do. Father, may we bear fruit and prove we are your disciples. In Jesus' name, everyone said,